0: Welcome everybody to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With, as always, I'm your host Andrew Ledman,
1: and I'm Ryan Bonaparte, and we're recording
0: tonight, Sunday, June 4th, uh, and it's it's a weird situation not a lot going on right now uh the zach Eadie drama is over we know he's returning to purdue um you can hear about that on our last podcast so um i'd previously asked for mailbag questions and i've got uh three or four i wanted to talk about tonight so we're gonna go a little more freewheeling a little looser tonight ryan how's that sound all right
1: i mean time to get loose
0: that's right and in, in order in order to get tommy loose I'm, uh, I'm drinking a pineapple juice with coconut rum.
1: All right.
0: Because... That's
1: similar to a Koana.
0: Yeah, so what happened was, uh, Sam's Club, I don't know, I don't want to brag, but I'm a member, uh, Ooh. they had these big pineapple spears that it's, that's in, like, a coconut and pineapple juice, uh, like, concoction, and they're delicious, but you eat all the pineapple spears and you got this, like, coconut and pineapple juice just sitting in there and I was like, "You know what? I bet I could throw some rum in there and it'd be like a like a piña colada." And sure enough, quite delicious. So, uh 10 out of 10 uh, would recommend.
1: All right. Now uh, that we have our tropical mix.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's that time of year uh where you're it's a little warmer outside, you're looking for maybe a lighter beverage. Uh and so this <laughs> is something I would recommend. So, Uh, Now that the drinks portion of the podcast is out of the way, are you ready for some listener questions?
1: That I am.
0: All right. Carolina Boiler um, asks on Twitter, who is your starting five next year with Edie? So this was originally with or without Edie, but now that we know that Edie is back, uh, he's obviously going to be a starter. So... Um, who do you have in the other four positions starting around Zach Eady for the 2023-2024 uh, men's basketball season?
1: All right. Well, I think it's going to be pretty similar to last year. Yeah, you would You I'm would, would throw think. Throw that. Up. Just, you know, throwing out that idea. Um, obviously, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. I'm throwing Mason Gillis in. Okay. Now, here's that last spot.
0: Yeah.
1: It's kind of iffy.
0: Yeah, and that's that's really, I mean, it's the only question mark, I think, going into next season.
1: Right. I'm thinking it's going to go to... I'm thinking Miles Colvin just because of the sheer talent coming in. Okay. But, obviously, Matt Painter likes to take... He doesn't like to go the freshman, throw him to the wolves approach. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, last year, yeah, la- he Lawyer, did. That, lawyer and, and Smith... To Matt
1: Painter, but... We will see. I I think I'm going to go with Miles Colvin. Okay, just get your athletes on the floor.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he definitely brings something um, that this team does not have. So right, it, it 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 makes sense. Um, so I I will disagree with you. I don't think Colvin is going to start at least at the beginning of the year. He may okay. er, he may earn the spot later on, but I don't think. Um, Painter will give him the role to start the season. So obviously, I'm going Zach Eady um, at the center position. I will agree with you, Mason Gillis, at least to start the year. Um, right, is going to be the starter. You know, Caleb First may creep up on him depending on how the season goes. Um, you know, Lawyer and Smith are basically locks. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those four are are nearly guaranteed. It's just a question of what is Painter going to do with that fifth spot. And I think, and this might upset some people, I think to at least start the year, I think Ethan Morton might get the nod. Um, I don't know that he'll keep it for very long. I mean, maybe Heidi might sneak in there um, Mm -hmm. and and take over that role. But we don't know how long Heidi's going to be out. He has, you know, he did suffer an injury in his redshirt year. We'll see how long uh, that takes him to come back. But So that is why I think Morton might get that fifth starting spot. Um, Painter... Obviously trusts him. He's been in the program a long time. And that means a lot to Matt Painter throughout his career at Purdue. Um, he likes to have players who he can just trust that won't make a ton of stupid mistakes out there. And while, yes, I know Morton has made some boneheaded plays in his time, um, he's very consistent, and he's just a trustworthy guy that Painter believes in. So I think he'll take that fifth spot. Okay. No this, this wasn't a question... From a listener, but to follow up on this, um, kind of going in the same vein, what do we think is going to happen with Trey Kaufman wren next year?
1: Yeah, it's a difficult situation because you you almost thought he needed Zach he needed to go pro. Yeah. To kind of get more minutes. I mean, Matt Painter sh- showed it last year. You know, you can have a guy who would be a starter on the majority of teams in college basketball who's just behind the national player of the year and guys who are, you know, just above him and have more seniority. It's difficult. Um, I like to think that painter might try and just go bigger this year, but that's still difficult because Goffman Wren is a lane guy and Zach Eadie a lane guy. And we'll see if Zach Eadie, if he starts to have less minutes this season, um, if you know that if they think that might help his game even further or just the team in general and then uh, TKR might start filling some of those minutes, but it's just a difficult situation and he'll have to make do with the limited albeit uh, minutes he's gonna get
0: yeah I so looking at, I mean just last year he averaged just over 11 minutes a game he played in 35 games but i don't know how painter can i don't know how painter can justify playing Edie fewer minutes um right the whole reason Edie came back is because you know unfinished business run it back whatever you want to say um but he's the reigning national player of the year you don't play him fewer minutes if anything you see if you can play him more you know you see if he can take it you see what kind of condition he truly is in um and mm-hmm. it really is unfortunate for Trey Kaufman, Ren, he probably was—I mean, not—not not fully hoping, but was kind of thinking, "Hey, you know, if Zach goes pro, I got a real opportunity here." And I'm sure he was a little disappointed in the back of his mind when Edie came back, uh, because that yeah. really puts a crunch on what he's going to be able to do next year. And this will be his third year in the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really—yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate.
1: I—I I don't think it becomes. A- problem yet because like you said um he's in year three so he definitely has more years i mean obviously one of them being a redshirt year. right, right. so he's got two more years if he chooses that zach edie cannot play for this team so he still has he still has his ability to have his time in the spotlight per se yeah so it's just this is kind of the nature of college sports. There's always shuffling of these positions. You don't know where you're going to end up in the mix. So I'm sure Matt Painter is having conversations with him about his role, where it'll go, and how he can make the best of the situation for him.
0: Yeah, I really hope so. Um, and I do want to correct you on one thing you said. Zach Eadie could technically come back another season because oh, he has of COVID, a COVID year. Because uh, of COVID, yeah. so in in the slimmest of of scenarios, you know, point zero 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 one percent, Edie could come back for a fifth year with Purdue uh, due to the NCAA grant of the COVID year. So, i I would bet my house that that doesn't happen. Um, but it is something that still is is theoretically possible. Just like it's theoretically possible that I find my myself on the on the Purdue basketball team. Uh, right. Not likely, but, you know, um, there we go. So, next question from Angry Boiler Fan, which is okay. just a great, great handle. Um, with Berg possibly out uh, for part of the season due to a foot injury, how do you see Trey Kaufman and First working together as a two-big rotation? And if they're resting, who goes in for them? And how does Waddell fit into this lineup? So, I, this is two different questions. So, mm-hmm. what you know, we were kind of talking about Trey Kaufman, wren How do you see him in first splitting minutes? We'll take that one first, and then we'll go uh, with Waddell as the second part there.
1: Yeah, I think it it really comes down to how far Trey Kaufman wren has progressed in the this off season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I don't think he was exactly where he needed to be last season. Obviously, um, like, as we said, you're behind Zach Eady. That's going to limit your minutes already. But I think that Caleb First has a more expansive role so far on this team, especially being able to shoot from the perimeter um, as opposed to Trey. Um, But if they're going in a two-man rotation as that, like, four spot, that's even more difficult because you really can't have that without Mason Gillis there too. Right. So, it's really a three-man rotation for uh, that big man spot next to Edie and I guess if you have Edie out, those are your two bigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean that's and, and, more so the question.
0: Yeah, and I mean in that scenario, you've got to think Trey kaufman Ren is playing the five and first is at four. Right. Um, exactly. Because that's what we saw a lot of last year and To your earlier point, I don't think Trey Kaufman-Wren would truly say he was fully formed as a player last year in this Purdue offense. You could see how unsure he looked at times. Um, Mm Kind of looked like somebody said, and I cannot remember who this was, someone on Twitter um, said, oftentimes when Trey Kaufman-Wren gets the ball underneath, he looks like a baby deer on roller skates. Um, he's just like, he's nervous, he's bouncing around, he looks unsure, unsteady, uh, but somehow he makes it work. I mean, I think offensively he did better than I thought he was going to do. Um, and, and that's, that's a testament to just kind of how talented he is as a player. And when both Trey Kaufman Wren and Caleb first were recruited, it was thought that, you know, it was one or the other was going to commit to Purdue because they play a similar game. So you weren't going to get them both. Um, But Painter sold them uh, on Mm -hmm. coming to Purdue together and being able to play at the same time. So should we get to a time where either, you know, uh, maybe it's a blowout and Purdue has the room to kind of try out some lineups or Edie is in foul trouble or, you know, last year he was sick uh, for a game as well. Maybe that is the time to try the two of them out on the floor for extended periods of time to see if Purdue truly can make something work.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a... I mean, we all know Matt Painter likes to tinker with that lineup when he can in the early season. So it's definitely to his advantage to do so. Um, And The the baby deer analogy is pretty spot on. I mean, he uses that pivot foot to (laughs) the utmost (laughs) out of anyone in college basketball. Yeah, he really does.
0: He really does. Uh, I can't tell you how many times he got the ball down low. He was pivoting, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure he traveled. Uh, and he got called for a few of them, but uh, not near as many as it just looks like when you're watching him play.
1: Yeah, you almost want to think, like, did this guy go to ballerina school at some point? <laughs> he, uh, But, yeah, you I know, mean, that's that's a, a nice skill to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, second part of the question, how do we mm-hmm. see Waddell fitting into this squad? Um, you know, we know Waddell, you know, did not play much last year Brian Waddell um mm-hmm. coming in now to his sophomore year uh six eight heck of a shooter um but only played in seventeen games last year just over eight minutes uh per game so the one of the knocks on him is he is very slight um he's listed mm-hmm. at six eight one eighty five and by contrast I am five six you know one forty seven so mm-hmm. uh, Ugh. Add, adding one foot and two inches and only about forty pounds, not ideal. So, and it's so weird. You look at the season that he had; he only took eight three pointers, didn't make any of them, Ooh, which yeah. is wild. Because you know he he is a heralded shooter and hit no three pointers the entire season. So, what do we right. think is his role next year, or, or is this going to be another year where he just kind of has to? Uh, claw and fight for any minutes that he can.
1: I think it has to be, especially with the players that are coming in. I mean, you have four different players who are coming into this program who can all make an impact. Now, obviously, Willie Berg's not going to be taking Brian Waddell's spot. No, that would be
0: weird. That would be a strange situation.
1: Hey, you know, Matt Harm shot threes, so... Hey,
0: Berg can apparently shoot the three.
1: Yep. Uh, But... Yeah, it's, it's again, one of those tough spots where it's just constant shuffling and he's going to have to scrap. Now, to the point about him shooting the ball, I don't know if it had to do with his previous knee injury. I mean, with that brace on always, that could just, it could change your shot just enough. But, obviously, eight shots is not a lot. No. Especially in 17 games. So, it's it's gonna be a slog for him, I think, um, unless he can start hitting those shots pretty consistently and almost to the point where you make Coach Banner play you. Right. But, but there's just so much talent on this team. Nothing is nothing is given right now.
0: Yeah, my 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 like my biggest hope um, for Waddell, and keep in mind, I'm much older than you, as we've talked about numerous times in this podcast. So you, I'm sure, never saw any even highlights of his dad, right? Matt Waddell? Uh, Nope. Did you even know his dad played for Purdue until it was mentioned? Until it was specifically mentioned, though? Be honest.
1: Well, no.
0: Okay. So his dad was fantastic. Just an absolute dead-eye shooter uh, on some really great Purdue teams. Uh, One of Mm. my favorite players growing up uh, when I was little watching him. So... I mean, asking him to meet that standard is is incredibly unfair. Um, he is his own player. He is different than the way his dad played. But my hope is that he plays a little bit like uh, Ryan Smith in that Painter always regretted not redshirting him because he knew that he wasn't ready his freshman year. Painter did. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to have everybody available they wanted to have that extra round in the chamber and smith didn't redshirt and then by the time he became a junior became a senior painter was always saying i really wish i had one more year with this guy um i really wish i would have redshirted him And it feels like Waddell could be that kind of player. Because if you remember Ryan Smith, his freshman year, I mean, he was out of sorts. He was out of place. I think about the Mm -hmm. only game he scored in was a game against Ball State at Ball State. Um, I mean, he didn't look good. He didn't look at all like the player that we came to love later on in his career. And I think Waddell can be that guy. It's just a matter of getting that quickness and getting that um, muscle built on so that he... Can keep up in the college game, you know. We heard these reports um, last year that you know when when scouts were coming and looking at the team, they asked about Waddell because he had such a good shot and looked so smooth. Mm -hmm. I don't know how true that is. I mean, it came from you know reputable sources, but I would love to see more of that. But I just think this year is going to be so tough for him because it's just a numbers game. You know, there are only forty minutes available. And I'm not sure whose minutes he is taking away. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's uh,
0: it's it's a great problem for Matt Painter to have, but it's terrible for the guys who get stuck in that situation. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, we got one more. We're gonna one fun question, and then we're gonna take a break. Okay. okay. So this was prompted by my asking or my saying on Twitter uh, in response to a. Minor League team or a baseball team that has a lobster milkshake? Uh it, my my answer that um okay, here we go. It was at it was at Miami Hurricanes baseball. They have a vanilla lobster milkshake. It has an entire lobster tail in it. Vanilla ice cream, vanilla syrup, and butter. And my tweet was, "Lobster is at best a third-ranked seafood, far behind crab and shrimp. Lobster is just an excuse to eat melted butter." So,
1: it really is
0: your response was we have to have a, a seafood ranking. So yes. I, I'm, I'm ready to do a top three of all seafood, but I want to put some parameters on this. You, we had a, There was a question, is this including fish or not including fish? So I'm going to go on whatever you want to do.
1: Okay. Well, I have a ranking. I have top five, actually.
0: Okay, we can do top five. I may struggle.
1: I, I thought about this long and hard. But I would say do not include fish. I just put them in two separate categories. Okay, do not I include ang-
0: fish. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: I can about- go first since I've thought about this. Okay, go. Now my the other parameter I'm thinking of. This is like if you get it, it is cooked perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously, obviously.
1: So my number? Should I go? I should go five to yeah, one. Yeah, go five right? to one. Obviously. All right. Number five, I have lobster. Okay. Number four, I have shrimp. Okay. Um, three scallops.
0: Uh, that's a bad pick. That's a bad pick.
1: Love scallops. You get a good sear on a scallop, and they're not rubbery. Oh,
0: I, I've I've yet to have a good scallop in my life. Maybe I mean I've e- I've eaten scallops in Florida. I've eaten scallops in Maryland. Um, and I've just never had one where I'm like, yes, this is absolutely flavorful. Flavorful. It's just it's to me mm. to me a scallop is just rubbery and there's like no taste to it it's like filler meat
1: i feel like a good scallop could change your life okay
0: <laughs> all right where would i get this good scallop that can change my life ryan
1: see the last like amazing scallops i had were in nashville tennessee of all places that
0: see i'm not sure i buy that that was scallop
1: Gotta get to a good Italian restaurant that does some good scallops. Okay. Um, number two, I have crab. Okay. Which in theory is like it's it's just the better lobster and it's cheaper. Absolutely. But yeah. also kind of an excuse to eat butter. I, um, I
0: only I only have one idea of where you're going with number one, and if, if it's not it, I'm very confused. So I wanna hear this
1: number one. Okay, it's kind of like a duel, but they're the same animal okay so you can either grill this or you can get it fried it is calamari
0: okay okay that was I say, that was about the only thing i could think of that would be be there and i have to tell you that's a terrible number one pick absolutely mm-hmm. terrible i guess it's not a draft pick so you're fine it's your ranking but ooh, i don't know calamari i'm not even sure if i don't include fish i can give you five so i'm gonna include fish in mine okay Fair. uh just because, like, I'm struggling to even come, with, come up with five just seafood, not fish, that I would, I would think would justify a top five. So mm-hmm. I'm going to include fish, uh, but you can, you can kind of look at mine and, and you can see what is not fish and where it would rank. Um, ah. So number five, I'm going to go lobster. Mm-hmm. I, I think lobster is incredibly overrated. It's overpriced. And it is just a way for people to be eating melted butter and for people to pretend that they're rich.
1: Mm-hmm. I've,
0: I've had just, you know, lobster itself. I've had lobster tail. I've had lobster mac and cheese. I've had like a, uh, a lobster roll. Didn't really love any of it. Didn't really, uh, didn't really care for it. Uh, okay. Number four, I'm going to uh, go grouper. I think uh a good grouper sandwich is, is a pretty darn good sandwich. There's a, play, a couple places in Florida. Uh that my in laws uh we always go when we're down there. That is a that is a darn good sandwich. Um okay. n- number three, I'm going to go uh catfish nuggets. Specifically mm. catfish nuggets. So you gotta you know, the nice fried um catfish. Always good, especially if you get it seasoned just right. Um so was that four? I've already that that was that was three. That was three. Okay, so number yep. two, number two, I'm going shrimp. Just general and shri- and shrimp because um, you can do shrimp like Bubba Gump says. There's just so many ways you can do shrimp. Um, Boil it, lo- <laughs> put it in a stew. You know anything. I love a good breaded shrimp. Um, and mm-hmm. then for me, number one, as a, as a man living in Maryland, the the only way I can continue to live in this state is if I say crab is number one. And it absolutely is. Uh, a delicious crab dip. Um, I had some crab dip today, actually. Uh, I actually had two types of crab today alone. Um, so we went to uh, uh, Phillips Seafood at lunch over in Baltimore, and I had we had a crab dip as an appetizer, so it's just delicious crab cheesiness with uh, some, some Italian or French bread with it that you dip in it. Um and then I had a hot dog with crab mac and cheese on it. So, okay. I'm I'm 2 for 2 on crab meats today. So, for me crab has got to be number 1. All right. What he- about,
1: so, I I was going to say this, being from Maryland, you did not mention crab cakes at all. No well, I mean I love crab cakes, but for me
0: crab dip is is peak crab. Like Okay. cuz it is so good and my so my wife went to uh uh Loyola Maryland um Mm -hmm. and they had they've like it's just their campus is wild it's just like all spread out there's all kinds of different locations um for her master's degree she went there and there was this dive bar like down the road from one of their buildings and her and a bunch of other people in her uh, program would go there sometimes after dinner and she did this while i was in law school so i would go and pick her up because at the time we only had one car So I would go and pick her up, and sometimes on those days, I'd be like, yeah, I'll just come in, and I'll have a drink with you, eat some food, and then we'll go home. This place was like a hole-in-the-wall dive bar, had maybe like 20 seats in the whole place. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You could get crab tots at this place that were just – it's like just tater tots covered in crab dip that I don't know what they did, but that is some of the most delicious food I've ever had in my entire life, and – I just I want to go in there and just be like, what are you doing that I'm not at home? Because this is delicious. It is it is absolutely top of the line food, without a doubt, bar nothing. Just incredible.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean I have to like when I was in my brief stint in North Carolina, there was a restaurant that you could go to near me, and they had a. Uh, Crab cakes, which were great. I mean, I you can't get that good of crab cakes in the Midwest. Just spoiler alert. Yeah. But you live in North Carolina, it's pretty darn close. Right. But they also had like a crab corn chowder.
0: Okay. Oh. Mm. I bet that would be good, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, Jess, for, for the lunch that we were at today, she had a cream of crab soup, which oh. uh, was pretty good. So, you know, we're we're – uh, a crab-loving family here. And and my son, even though he's only three, he loves him some crab dip. So he basically ate crab dip and fries for lunch. Uh, there you he, go. he is a fancy boy uh, eating that <laughs> crab. So there we go. That That's the first half of our mailbag. We're going to take a break, come back. We've got a couple more questions and a couple more oddballs. So we'll be right back with you. And we are back. So we're going to get back into the Purdue questions, just so you guys don't think we're just going to be doing nothing but uh, talking about crab nowadays. So um, one of the other questions we got is a football-related question. Um, this is this is kind of a petty question, and that's why I love it. Um, and this is from Hal French on Twitter. So just how good is Louisville football going to be with a large chunk of last year's coaching staff, a bunch of boiler transfers, and a favorable borderline on bordering on pillow soft schedule? Bonus. How long will coach Jeff Brom last at University of Louisville if he doesn't win conference championships quickly?
1: well, first of all the conference championships are gonna be pretty hard to come by <laughs> yeah to. I would think so um although they're in not in the same division as Clemson correct I have no clue no clue i think I think they're in the same division as like. Hit and Syracuse and all the northern ACC schools.
0: Um, Let's see. I'm, I'm pulling up the 2022 standings uh, to okay. see. Uh, no, they, they are in the same division as Clemson.
1: Zero. The answer is yeah, so,
0: zero. So just for those listeners who, like me, don't pay much attention to ACC football, um, these are the 2022 standings in the ACC. So Louisville is in the Atlantic division. Uh, It was Clemson, then Florida State, then Louisville, then NC State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Boston College. Meanwhile, the Coastal Division has North Carolina, Duke, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech. So in order for them to win their division, not the conference, just their division, they have to land in front of Florida State and Clemson. That's a tall order.
1: And NC State has been on the rise, Syracuse, Syracuse can give yeah. people problems, uh, so it's, it's a tough ask, but Clemson is the hurdle, and you're oh, not yeah. going to get over it, as long as Dabo's there. No,
0: I don't think so either. Even, I mean, so, even a down year uh, for Clemson, which technically was last year, they were 11-3, and three and that was down, but they were still 8-0 right. and 0 in conference.
1: Yeah. Uh, ACC football is another thing.
0: Um, I, I mean, so... <laughs> He is the favorite son of Louisville, uh, yep. but going home is never, never all you expect it to be. So, if he's right. not winning conferences or uh, conference championships, but even if he's not winning divisions, I mean,
1: how long do we think he can last with that goodwill? I like to say he can last probably a decade, just because. Uh, then again, I don't know how reasonable can you know Louisville fans are. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't
0: really know the the pulse of their fan base, but a decade does sound right. I mean, it sounds fair because they do love the Brom family down there. But um, but man, I don't know. It, it seems like a very tough job to take, given who is in that division. So, man, yeah. And, I, and it's it's not to not to like completely dump on the guys who left Purdue, the coaching staff, but it's not as if they were all home-run hires, you know? Um, so it, it's not as if he's built some sort of super staff down there. Uh, but, I mean, he could surprise, he could surprise, but I, I don't expect them to, as you say, jump the hurdle that is Clemson anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and uh, just... The, here's here's the saving grace, is if the super conference comes out and the ACC just ends.
0: Yeah, that would actually probably be good for Louisville football.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe they'd I, find
0: a much better home.
1: Yeah, I know when we had this conversation, one of the things I said was Clemson's just going to the SEC, and that would be best case scenario for Jeff Rahm and company.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it, the furthest they can get away from uh, the further they can get away from Clemson, the better for them it will be. So there we go. All right, next question. This is from Colin Phillips uh, on Twitter. Who is the most electric Purdue football player ever? And why is it Rondale Moore? So uh, Colin Phillips appears to have a horse in the race on this question. Um, He believes the most electric Purdue football player ever is Rondale Moore. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And if you disagree, who you got?
1: Mm. So much of me just wants to lawyer this question and say, what's the definition of electric? It's true. It's true. But that's my job. Certainly I think he's the most electric player since Drew Brees. It's hard.
0: It's it's hard for me to say that a quarterback is electric, though, that, especially that's a quarterback. I was getting that, yeah, yeah, a quarterback who doesn't run the ball. Like Michael Vick was electric, um, you know, because he could make mm-hmm. anything happen. And Drew Brees, obviously, not to put down Drew Brees, but he, he was accurate. He was, um, you know, right. he was a gunslinger. I don't know that I'd call him electric.
1: Fair. Yeah, he's not like a Lamar Jackson. Yes. Live, but um, okay. At this point, I think I have to say yes. Just and the only other person I could think of that rivals him, at least in the you know recent past, is David Bell. Right. David Bell could catch just about any pass. It seemed like, but with Rondell Moore, his running ability, um, we all know the play. We all know the play when yeah. we say Rondell or yeah. yeah, Rondell Moore, and that play is. I could argue that's the most electric play in Purdue history. It could be. It could be. So so it's it's hard for me to say no.
0: Yeah, it is hard to say no. I'm going to say no just to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I'm going to throw out a couple names uh, that are a little older. Um, no surprise here. So one one name I'm going to throw out, uh, Dustin Keller, okay. former tight end for Purdue. Um, unfortunately, his NFL career was was cut short due to injuries, but his last year at Purdue – I don't think I've ever seen a more credible threat from the tight end position at Purdue. I know we got Tim Stratton and all that, but, um, I mean, the way Dustin Keller was just absolutely crushing people, um, Mm. knocking them over, bowling them over, making athletic catches, the guy was just a freak his last year. If you have time, go look up some some highlights of his because he was just incredible. Um, The other one who I'm going to throw out is no surprise if you know me personally, is Mike Allstott. Uh, yep. Mike Allstott you know, has, has the unfortunate, um, uh, unfortunate situation of being on some Purdue teams that were not very good. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, the man was a killer. Um, he wore just those dang. gigantic, gigantic shoulder pads, just lowered his shoulder, lowered his head, and just crushed opponent's Um, seems like he could have been taken down, you know, 20, 30 times, and he continues to run. I mean, one of the strongest guys Purdue has ever had at the running back position, if not the strongest. And, I mean, he is the reason that I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan because he was my favorite player at Purdue, and I had not really, you know, followed an NFL team. And then when he got drafted by the Bucs, I was like, well, I'm a Buccaneers fan now um so it's he was that good he was that enjoyable to watch and I think the the question of who is the most electric it lends itself to the skilled positions it lends itself to um you know wide receiver running back maybe even a quarterback but um the only other player I can even think to mention is Ryan Kerrigan um Mm -hmm. his senior year Again, I mean, he he got around everyone. He took the edge all the time. He basically single-handedly won games for Purdue. Um, we beat Ohio State, if I'm remembering correctly, largely based on his performance at getting to the quarterback. Um, it, it was just such a dominating performance his senior year. It's hard not to mention him in this
1: question. That was that was kind of me. My follow up was: Could a defensive player, or has there been a defensive player? But, yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Yeah,
0: I think he's about the only one um, who comes to mind.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, for sure.
0: Yeah, so um, one other question. I think those are all the ones we got, except for one, uh, my very own brother, Sinan. What is the greatest album of all time? I'm not sure uh, how much of a music fan you are, Ryan, or even what kind of music you like.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: But do you have, just offhand... An album that you think maybe is the greatest of all time?
1: Uh, uh, yes. Okay. And no. All right. Um, I mean, I have some of the very easy answers. Okay. We love uh,
0: easy answers.
1: Yeah. Easiest answer is like, well, the best-selling album of all time. I don't know what that – do you know what that is? Is that The Eagles? That is – nope.
0: That is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Okay. Okay. That is a very good album. That's that's hard to argue with.
1: Mm-hmm. Part of me goes Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Little Pink Floyd. And, yeah. My, <laughs> my,
0: my dad will be happy hearing that. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I had to listen to Pink Floyd in the car growing up on the way to, well, basically anywhere.
1: Yeah, and then uh, there's, there's the... I know people are going to want to hear it. Abbey Road.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the Beatles, uh, one of the best of all time, if not the best. You got you got any other ones that pop into your head?
1: Uh, I I don't I almost don't want to say it because it's going to make people laugh, and I know our target audience here. But
0: oh, now I have to hear
1: it. It's it's just it had so many bops on it. Oh, this in is not 2010.
0: It's a, a bad start.
1: It has some bops on it. Um, it is Tay Perry's. California Girls.
0: Oh, my. I'm Okay, listen. Listen, you're not going to hear me say a bad word about Katy Perry because Katy Perry is fun. Katy Perry knows what she is, and she goes out there and does it. Greatest album of all time? I'm not going to say that. Really fun. I'm not saying it. Really fun album. I'm sorry. Album. It's
1: not California Girls. It was Teenage Dream was the album. Well. But it had California Girls on it. There you go. I don't think you were going to get that – Firework last <laughs> Friday night and Teenage Dream like that could okay. be one of the best of the since two thousand. Okay, look
0: again. You're not going to hear me say a bad word about Katy Perry, but I, I, I would not put that up there in my top uh, top albums of all time. So I'm, I said it. Before. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be stereotypical. I'm gonna go with um, for me. You know, this is a it's a very personal question. Uh because it it's so much of what speaks to you uh and what you think is good because it's so subjective. Uh I, I think to me, one of one of, if not the greatest albums of all time, is Purple Rain, Prince and the Revolution. Okay. Uh it's just absolute bangers from top to bottom. Uh there's some really weird songs on that album. Um obviously you know, the, the title track, Purple Rain, absolutely, uh, an incredible song. Then you've got Darling Nikki, which is, you know, uh, was considered pornographic, uh, and mentioned by, uh, I believe mentioned by Tipper Gore in those hearings about putting the little parental advisory stickers, uh, on CDs Mm -hmm. back in the day. Uh, so obviously very influential in that regard as well, but, just an incredible album One of Prince's best And I, in my mind Prince is one of the Greatest musicians Of all time So uh, Hard to argue yeah. With that one
1: Yeah The other There's one more That comes to mind And it's just because I and my friends Always listen to it In the car When we actually Had a CD player In the car For some reason I know what that is But um, <laughs> um, It was To Pimp a Butterfly By Kendrick Lamar Okay you know, I.
0: This is probably a failing on my part. I've I've never really listened to much Kendrick Lamar. Um, I, I don't. I have no ill will toward him. I have no ill feelings toward him. Um, it's mm-hmm. just never been something that I've sought out. Um, everyone says he's great. I have no reason to doubt that. Um, but he's just not something I've I've ever sought out. But hey, yeah. it, I, he, everybody loves him, so I'll, I'll I'll allow that one. That one's not uh, not a bad argument. So let me let me shorten the question a little bit or change it a little bit uh what are what are maybe one or two of your mo- more recent albums that you've really
1: been listening to a lot? ooh, see the problem is a lot of it is just when I turn on music, it's just everywhere it it doesn't follow a cohesive path. Yeah. I like a song it's on it, so I shouldn't really it's not even like I don't look at specific albums um
0: that's fair. I think I think that's it I think listening to albums is becoming less and less uh of a thing that people are doing just because of Spotify because of uh everything else every the way we yeah. stream these days.
1: Yeah, like I don't think I've ever had it be a thing where you just need to look at an album. I've lived in the world of technology where okay, you want a song from this artist beginning and current and just smush them together and pick the best yeah. you don't need to choose a specific album yeah
0: that's true that's so true.
1: it's it's more of a difficult question for me that's fair I When i think of albums i look back and think oh this had this 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 yeah that's awesome
0: yeah that's fair that's fair uh this is really this was really an excuse for me to name an album uh that okay. i'm obsessed with so really it, it didn't matter what you were going to say because i already had an answer Um, I, Ryan, you're just here to allow me to take breaks, uh, for talking, uh, because I have so much to say. Yeah. Um, and drink your pina colada. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta have, you gotta allow me to have a a time to drink every now and then without the dead air. Um, Mm -hmm. so for mine, um, this is an album from 2022. So just last year, um, Earthling by Eddie Vedder. Um, absolutely Mm. love it. Um, I listen to it all the time. I work from home. So you know you can have some music on while you while you listen or while you do your job, and this this album I think is just absolutely perfect. I love Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam, one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, So this is a solo album of his. It's just it's absolutely wonderful. There's something about Eddie Vedder's voice that just resonates with me. Um, I I don't know what it is. I just absolutely love it. So um, fair. And I've got one last question to get us out on. And this may include spoilers for Ted Lasso. So if you don't want to hear anything about Ted Lasso, end the podcast right now. We thank you for listening. And I'm going to give you about five seconds before I go into Ryan uh, and ask this final question. So if you don't want to hear about Ted Lasso, end it right now. All right, Ryan. Ted Lasso, we assume, is absolutely over, they've said. Three seasons is what they were going to do. The third season is over. Overall, what did you think of the third season, and what did you think of the ending?
1: I think the third season is my favorite of the three. Really? Wow, okay. Yes. I liked it better than the first season. Um, I the, prob- the only problem I had with the ending of Ted Lasso was just how they kind of... It felt like they were kind of chopping at it to where okay we got to tie this knot we got to tie this knot all like all rapid fire
0: yeah yeah it did it did the last about ten minutes were very like here here here
1: here 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 exactly yeah and like the fact that the dude was a pilot like okay where did this come from the guy with Rebecca
0: oh right 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 okay Uh, that took me a second yeah. But uh, just, you know uh, they they had to get him back.
1: Um, yeah, they did. Uh, it's just mm. it's, I liked it. I, 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 I liked too. it, but I can also nitpick it.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, no
1: show is perfect. Um, I, there's still. I just don't like that I have unanswered questions still. Okay, like what? For example, like I know they led with the uh, Dr. Jacob was making fun of soccer. Yeah, like. And you knew what that was kind of going towards. Yeah. And then the very end, like, okay, what does this mean for Ted and his marriage?
0: Right. Well, former marriage. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I I think it seemed clear to me that Dr. Jacob and Ted's wife are no longer together.
1: mm -hmm. Um, As he wasn't at the soccer game. Yeah,
0: he wasn't at the soccer game that we saw. But as as they were watching the last um, Richmond match together, you could see how annoyed she was with him. Um, mm-hmm. and you could see how Henry was reacting to him, and you just knew he, he wasn't long for for the relationship, so he is definitely out of the picture. Um, I, I thought, and again, if you're still listening to this, spoilers, um, I thought it was very good that they did not win the whole thing. They did, did not win the league. Um, I thought it would have just been too perfect if they had. Um, so even though they did their part, the fact that, Um, you know, they needed someone else to tie or lose Um, was such a perfect encapsulation. I think of sports in general, Um, you know, you can take care of business, but if somebody else, you know, doesn't help you out, it it can all be over for you. Um, And overall I thought the third season was great. I I don't know that it was as good as the two before it, but it's, it's very close. They were all very good. Um, and, And I can't wait to watch it again. And I, I will just say one more thing about Ted Lasso, and then I'll let you jump in if you have anything else. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was about this show. Like, maybe it was the timing that it came out, maybe it was just the fact that it was about sports, whatever it was. But this show has affected me, and I've fallen in love with it, I think, more than I have any other television show I've ever watched. You know, there are... There's something that art can do to you when you watch it. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can be deeply impacted by something, even though you know it is not real. You know these characters are not real. You know the situations are not real. And there are no real stakes. But it can impact you so deeply, and you can feel connections to, to characters for whatever reason. And I don't know that I've ever felt a deeper connection with a television show than I have with, have with Ted Lasso. And I know that that may sound silly to people that may sound like kind of ridiculous but I don't know what it was I and I've never felt like that with a TV show in my life but I cannot recommend it highly enough it it is it is to me it is one of if not the greatest television shows of all time and I cannot wait to rewatch it again
1: Yep for sure I mean it's so I think part of the Loveliness of it is that it explores things that you're not used to. Like you're not used to the superstar having a panic attack, or I should say, the superstar coach having yeah. a panic attack on the sideline. You're not used to that polarizing effect. So I I love that about the show. Um, fun fact: the guy who plays Roy Kent is actually one of the... Uh, I think he's the executive writer on the show.
0: Yeah, he's one of the writers, and he's also um, one of the creators and writers on the show Shrinking, also on Apple TV, which is very good.
1: Yes, just started that yesterday,
0: actually. Uh, you are in for a treat. That is also very good. Harrison Ford is great in that show.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Apple TV is getting some hits here.
0: Yeah, it really is. It uh, took, a, took a couple years to get going, but uh, they've, really, they've really turned it on, so... Uh, there we go, folks. Um, that's it. That's our mailbag episode. Uh, hope you thanks enjoyed so it. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, so you got everything from Boilermaker Football, Boilermaker Basketball, Seafood Rankings, Music, and Ted Lasso. What more could you want in the podcast? All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Till next time, boiler up. Hammer down.